I thought the other thing it could be a, a subject to talk about. Mm -hmm. We're recording right now, by the way. Oh, are we? <laughs> <laughs> of course. I don't mess around, Gary. We ain't got no time. I don't have enough time to know. Yeah, we got I time. thought the other thing we should talk about is, that, you know, in, in especially in the World Championship. Yeah. Or even some of the early IMSA stuff, some of the things that that myself and other have seen at the track. Mm -hmm. um, Tampa Grand Prix, you know, the restart happens. Yeah. Jan Lammers in the Turbo Jaguar and spins at the start of the green flag. Get that thing nice and close, nice and close. There we in go. In front of everybody. Yep. Spins it in front of the entire field, slams it in reverse. And goes all the way At down. The start? The, yes, goes okay. all the way down the front straightaway, and then spins it. Rockford one eighties and puts it one eighty and puts it into gear. No way. Yes. Is this a Spectac video you can look up Spec online? I'm sure it is. What year was that? Do you know? <clears throat> I remember everybody. Oh, maybe eighty eight. Eighty eight. And that was eighty eight. The Tampa Grand Prix. Tampa Grand Prix. And uh, we had we had Jan with us uh, with the Auto Toy Store car. Mm -hmm. And he said that at the time when he did it, as he spun the car, because they practiced that when he was doing other stuff. You don't practice it with a turbo Jaguar. Right, right. But um, when he did it, the reverse gear exploded. And Walk and Shaw, <laughs> and I don't remember if they finished the race or not, okay. but every every mechanic jumped up on the wall and cheered. It was the ballsiest thing I've ever That's seen. That's so cool. And I can't find a picture of, or a video because it seems like the my, Tampa Grand Prix is now a indoor kart track. And the um, <laughs> it's dominated by that. He told us that Walkinshaw actually had the pieces of the gears made into a trophy and either bronze or gold plated and gave it to him at That's the end awesome. of the year. Tony Dow would know if we can get hold of Tony, but he's in Australia. How did how did he end up doing when he did the Rockford 180 at the end of the straightaway? <laughs> Put it in the gear and hauled and ass. He kept on going. Yeah, it was spectacular. <laughs> oh, so I'm good. telling you, it was spectacular. Uh, there's got to be video somewhere yeah, of that. Uh, there has to be. I mean, it, it was film, but it was just one of the one of the listeners will probably find it. They're all smarter than me. But so uh, we're we're in the RV. We're at Grid Life Round Five. Uh, we conned Gary Cummings to coming up to rainy Michigan uh, on a Friday. Cold and rainy. It's it's not that cold. It's pretty nice here. So it was eighty four in uh, Atlanta yesterday, and it was it's uh, not eighty four here. Forty eight up here. <laughs> so we. Uh, it's going to be a high of seventy two tomorrow. Sure it so. is. <laughs> you don't believe me? No, I'll see. It. I'll see I, that when it happens. I think it'll be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Um, what do you think of uh, of a wet, rainy gingerman and the load in and the paddock so far? Um, I'm actually surprised. the uh, The ground in a lot of the area here, the grass is pretty hard. Yeah. You can tell there's been a lot of areas. I didn't see anybody today. Any of the heavier rigs, yeah. you know, no, spinning tires or anything like it, that. It, this track drains out pretty well where yeah, we use it, it. It's bad over there. Yeah. And we use that area down by the south bathrooms during uh, Midwest Festival. Yeah. And it becomes like the place you got to hook things up to and tell them out. But yeah. Um, yeah, we were playing with light towers uh, a little minute, a few minutes ago because we're. I think that's gonna be cool. It's gonna be so. The pictures are gonna be awesome. Yeah. Um, we're lighting up a few corners of the track because we're doing nighttime time attack and hpd session uh so the drivers are excited about it i'm looking forward to it i want to see it uh I, I think when if when they you, drive well i'm looking forward to it when you add that in you don't see that at a at a nighttime race almost in, never yeah ever and you, you one of the things like you have is four cars i mean yeah. you know that's the the wonderful part of 
of at Lamar, you yep. know, with the carbon brakes glowing and the yep. and you see flames coming out the exhaust that you wouldn't see in the daytimes yep. or especially on the turbo. It's, it's cars. very different than uh, than your typical stock car race right. or your exactly. Indy car it's race. One of the things that we do with sports cars. Yeah, the uh, the the dramatic change that uh, that dark that darkness brings, yeah. especially in the pictures and the video. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to about this one. Um, is just it just the different content coming out of it. We we but. really looked at that for especially in Grand Am to try to time that. So we used to run a two hour race on the short course at Watkins Glen yep. after Sprint Cup qualifying, and we ran into the dark, and we mm-hmm. had the same issues that we had. We're sitting there with a flashlight trying to be yeah. able to see the checkered flag, and you can't see what numbers are on the cars. And, yeah, and yeah. that's why yeah. all of that lighted numbers and all the. the yeah the position numbering and stuff that's, yeah, that's we, run, but we don't it was have a very a, cool event. <laughs> we don't have lit up number panels. That's the only thing I'm no. actually concerned about tomorrow. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I know at, uh, at Petite last year with all the fancy stuff that IMSA has, we actually went out and got two big Marine spotlights mm-hmm. and they had the uh, camera at the start finish line to okay. be able to do, you know, if it was a nose to nose finish or something finish. like that photo finish and um the camera it was it was too dark for the camera to light up and we went okay. to west marine and bought big two of the big spotlights handheld and screwed them no screwed okay. them to a, a two by 12 yeah set it on the wall at the right angle and that was it and this is at petit lamar yeah that's One a of the premier... you, got, you still have to do what you, you gotta, gotta do you, you gotta still gotta do problems, what you gotta do you know um the uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was you running at Lama, but now we're talking about Petit Lama, which is a different Lama. But uh, it's uh, it's coming up next when, week. When uh, one of my one of my favorite memories of Gary, I wasn't there, but I remember seeing a helicopter or a blimp shot of Petit Lama, and you're uh, out there like looking at pavement. Yeah, uh, we weren't looking at it. Yeah, you were having a bad moment there. This is uh, uh, <clears throat> it, it was at a turn three. Uh, it was turn three, and turn three had a. On driver's right had a yeah. mishmash of historic curbing that was put in, and what okay. that would basically do is cause the cars to jump. And when they would jump, and then during the race, there was a bigger hole on the other side of it. Yeah, come, the cars coming and they back would down, come down and then start to impact on the asphalt. Okay, the asphalt in that area actually needed. We had looked at that in August. That was going to be planned to be worked on. Um, and it was, we had put some product in there to try to hold it up. But when you start getting chassis rails pounding Cars on this thing, impacting actually that. impounding it. Because they're hitting the inside of three And then so it started right? coming up because okay. this is, you know, in a lot of, uh, in most tracks, you have multiple layers of asphalt. Right. And actually broke this up, and chunks were coming out of it. That's a problem. Uh, fortunately, we had brought. There's some spectacular uh, products now that were developed by the U.S. military for like airfield uh, repair in Afghanistan okay. and stuff. And we had access to those. So and you had them on site. We had them on site. So it's a uh, it's a very very cool product. Uh, so we went out there um, and hey, and Mike. cut this out. <laughs> it was probably. Two and a half feet by six foot. Yeah, the right patch, in the middle of Petit Le Mans. Right in the middle of Petit Le Mans, and there was a bunch of us. Uh, Chad McGonagill from from Track Services, myself, yeah. and we were act- actually out there. We didn't have, which they have now, mm-hmm. a very small, like a Hilti um, uh, air hammer oh, okay. uh, that you can actually go out and Knock like a little jackhammer, but yeah. you can and you hand hold it. 
Um, but we were out there with hammers and chisels on our by knees. By hand? By hand. Breaking out the bad stuff. Breaking this stuff up, cutting it with a saw. Got it to a point. You mix this product together with water. Mm-hmm. And you put cold water in it, and you sit there and, and hit it with a temperature gauge. Right. And when it gets to 85, you have three minutes to put it down. 85 degrees. 85 degrees. It's not even hot, yeah. <clears throat> and it's starting to kick. But it's a water mix. It's not okay. like it's an epoxy or you know fiberglass. Is it or... concrete-like or no? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Okay. And it's a very, very cool, very, very cool product. Yeah. So you've got three minutes to put it down, and it's hard in three more minutes. Wow. And it's like at... You know, at the end of five minutes, it's at 3,500 PSI. Holy so it's cow. like quick, 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 creep. The quickest of the quick, creep. Yeah. yeah. Of, of wow. better than concrete. And then like a week later, it's like 8,000 PSI. Wow. Like um, str- way stronger than concrete. Way stronger than concrete. Yeah, high I mean, strength concrete, I think it's 5,000. Yeah, we get, yeah. we would use, if we had to do some sort of patch, you would get 5,000 PSI yep. and you put fiber in it. And the fiber would yeah, actually tie help it all together, yeah. hold that together. Yeah. But this stuff was so cool. And then we started playing with it and putting in, because um, it's a little bit slick. Right. So we mixed in Black Beauty abrasive, like oh, you would yeah. use in a bee blaster, yeah, powder, yeah. and mix that into it. But that yeah, was the advantage of having your own track to be able to play with. That yeah. you know, we tried all these different products, okay. but now that whole area has that area been repaved or just the concrete? Yeah, before <clears throat> last year, before uh, back in July, right? Um, we went through and did thirty-eight thousand square foot, okay, or square feet of uh areas in 12 different areas so okay. we did um entry apex and exit um and in some cases like in turn one right uh did two runs so it was 26 feet wide 13 foot okay. at the run a large portion you know, everybody run. goes oh you know just repave it repave you know it's almost three main bucks yeah to yeah. repave it um uh, and yep. that's just the cost of repaving then you got all the lost income of everybody you cancel. When you have a, a yeah. track like that or Coda or year, something yeah. that you know yeah. runs 275, 300 days a year, yep. that's a lot of a lot of lost income. Yeah, that, that could be as well. That could be a couple of weekends, three weekends. Yeah. 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 The uh, and then uh, Gingerman repaved about four or five years ago. Yeah. The paving was twenty years old at the time. Right. Um, and then they had a bunch of issues with the new paving, and it was like the best contractor they could find and then they had a couple areas they had to redo a couple times i mean it, it never stops there it, yeah. well you remember the the little hump that we just saw at right. uh, speed ring yeah down the bottom and of six I, at m1 yeah yeah and i think what, what happens and you don't realize this you think you put down asphalt and that's it and it's just yeah. there and it's amazing it's not uh, concrete. how much it moves yeah. and even concrete will move but yeah i mean concrete and, cracks and, yep. and 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 you've got to you've got to be very careful with asphalt it, but, is fluid with the ground really and it and yeah. it really does it expands and cools we've had places uh that we fixed at uh on tracks where like a loop is cut and they've cut through all the way through the asphalt okay and in two seasons, there'll be a, an opening an inch wide there. Really? It's, it stretches yeah, that much. it's unbelievable. And it opens and closes in winter and summer. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised at, at Speed Ring if that hump going into the hairpin there yeah. is probably just because 
there's no place for it to expand at some yeah. point, or the there's a no, or no there's a wet area that maybe it's ice heaving or something. Yeah. That's, maybe they should let it me put a timing up. loop in. Maybe that would be the expansion. <laughs> might not help. You know, might not hurt it. Uh, the location we found was actually pretty good, but yeah, yeah, the, it uh, did. It worked great there. It was a cool uh, event. Yeah, the uh, yeah the, the the asphalt it can't be a fun thing to manage, especially at a at a track that gets pounded so hard so many weekends a year, like Road Atlanta. You know what's amazing is the. Uh, the amazing, hey Sean. hey Sean. What's amazing is the effect that water has on asphalt. Yeah. What? Uh, what? I mean, that's one of the drainage. things that you have to do. Is you know, as you get cracks in there, whatever. If you don't seal that crack and right. water filters down into it. Yeah. I mean, we've opened up. We've opened up parts of the track two inches down, and mm-hmm. there'll be sand and ants. Really. That have followed and gotten down into little teeny ants. Yeah. You know what? What are you guys doing? You know, it's asphalt. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, there's this it, beautiful yeah. area with all this grass and field, yep. and they're screwing around. But the water actually goes in there and will soften it up. You think yep. of asphalt as being fairly uh, impermeable, mm-hmm. uh, and it's actually not. It's yeah. one of the worst mm-hmm. things to have asphalt seeping into a racetrack. And as much as we want to keep uh, water off the track surface, yep. um, you also want to keep water from going underneath underneath the track or into the track you know some of the tracks are six seven inches deep because they've been paved on top of paving yep um but anyway yeah no that uh i'll never forget the mike do you remember seeing the aerial footage of gary out on turn three like what are we going to do with this stuff? At that was on my hands and knees, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We we were somewhere together watching it. I forget where we were. Um, I I don't remember. We were watching it, and I remember seeing. We're like, "Hey, we know that guy." <laughs> it, was, it was after really? we had we had done the first grid life there, I think. Yeah, or maybe the yeah. second. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The first one. Must first. have been twenty. Yeah, that was twenty fifteen. Fifteen or sixteen? Sixteen would have been sixteen. Yeah, 16, maybe 17, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. yeah, this is our third year. Yeah, twenty fifteen. I think was the uh, the rain out petite where they yeah. had to. They had to stop it a couple hours from the uh, from the end. Yeah. So so when they had that uh, that pavement issue, round five. yeah, it might have been here. Yeah. We we had this event later. It might have been we might have been watching it from here. Okay. Um, three years ago, two years ago. So did they black flag the and then bring everybody in and? No. No. no we just combed it up and kept it kept it going. They were you know, One of the things I can't remember the details, but I remember <clears> seeing one of the things. And company. and we have this issue at Daytona, the twenty four hour. Right. And uh, Mark Raffoff, in particular, when Mark was running the tower, and you can go all the way back to the late 70s, early 80s. One of the things that was discovered in the 24-hour a long time ago, one of the worst things for endurance cars is sitting there and yeah. bringing everybody in after running for 12 or 14 Everybody's hours. Everybody's manifolds crack. Everything's hot. Everything, yeah. you know, and you let it all cool down again. Mm-hmm. And then you fire it all back up again and axles breaks and you yeah. know, engines have problems. The best thing to do, unless it's really to the point, if you're starting to hydroplane on the straightaway, is just keep driving around. Yeah. Just keep let driving around. And, and you get a you get an inversion. I've been in the race control at daytona and at that three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning the fog kind of comes in mm-hmm. and you can sit in race control and all you can barely see are the lights on the pace car yeah and maybe tail lights you can't even see cars sometimes and, and i remember one year it was so bad 
that the sun was starting to come up mm -hmm. and all the fog was just sitting inside just the track. Yeah, stopped right it there. was clear. You could see every place else. But there's a cloud you know, right yeah. inside the racetrack. Yeah. There's a, there's a uh, funny story that uh, when uh, uh, I think it was Paul Dollenbach mm -hmm. was running uh, IndyCar. Okay. And they, I believe it was Phoenix, and I've had I've had this story told to me, and they had the same problem. There was a lot of fog that was yep. held inside the track, and they were didn't know what to do with this, and they had, for they had ABC Wild World of Sports, yeah. or something was going to go there, and he apparently took every vehicle that they had and put it out there and just yeah. started driving around as fast as he could and got a little bit of a vortex yeah. going and moved the fog you know you think it's not possible but yeah but that, that's a great story but i mean again that's one of those things that yeah you can sit there and you know you have to wait it up and, and cry over it, it and tell your live tv that uh, we're not going to be trucks. tv and they're going to show a gardening show or something yeah and be mad at you and you're going to spend a lot of money for, for buying a tv window yeah or you're going to do something about it so interesting take a bunch of trucks run them around well look at the yeah. uh look at the thing that nascar is using now the uh I forget the name of the thing, the blower. The jet dryer or whatever? Yeah, yeah. right. The Juan Pablo Target or whatever? <laughs> no, 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 not the jet blower, the, the great big net. Now it's got a vacuum in it yeah. as well. Yeah, the, uh, yeah the, 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 the hurdles that some of these series have to overcome kind of make our little stuff seem... You know, kind of like small potatoes, but it's just you just got to find the problems and fix them. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, that that's the advantage of you learn from your experience. Yeah, you part know, of the reason so, that we got Somebody Gary was here. been in racing. <laughs> somebody had been in racing for you know yeah. twenty, thirty, forty years. Yeah. You know, at some point you're going to see the same issues over and over, over and over, over again. And, Everybody and, gets bored about oh yeah, in '67, mm -hmm. you know, Denny Hulme. You know, did this at Watkins Glen, but uh, you know, maybe in '87 you have the same problem. Yeah, so. and you got to know the the options for fixing some yeah, of these things. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was talking to my guy I rent the transponder equipment, the timing equipment from, um, and he he was saying, "Oh man, I've had to cut so many racetracks day of because the loop breaks, and that got me freaked out. And now I got half a dozen loops sitting over there. You know, you you have Just to have the spares. Yeah, I got I an mean, extra coax. I'll run it out the window of the tower, and we'll keep running. You know? I had a uh, I had a guy go through. He was mowing the grass, and he dug in with the. Uh, yeah, with a, blade, a broken right, yeah. blade on the mower, right. and uh, did the loop. Yeah, you know, and two Shred hours it. later, we had a race, and we're sitting down there scrambling around. Yeah, how come it's not working? Right, yeah. why is it not working? Well, you know, it's almost force majeure kind of thing. Yeah, go go dig it out. Now he told me, uh, you guys don't have any extra loops, and this is a couple of years ago. And I said, no, why would I have extra loops? Yeah, he said, well, someday you're going to need an extra loop, and yeah. you're going to have a bunch of people looking at you. Wondering yeah. why the timing doesn't work. That's right. And I thought, yeah, he's probably right. And <laughs> nobody has that many stopwatches, <laughs> no. you know. You put twenty people no. out there with stopwatches. Yeah, you but... can't uh, it, unless you're trained up like the SCCA corner workers of the '60s. You're not going to yeah, get, was, get all those times. Or you got Judy Strupus with you or something. Yeah, like. yeah we're not going to get all those times. But... The um, you know the other thing as well as far as the loops and a lot of them is is when you're whether it's MSR or IndyCar or whatever, it really is trying to. To figure out if somebody's trying to sandbag on you, yeah, you know, having the multiple loop locations, there's multiple yeah. loops, and you see it in Formula One, you know, in Sector One is purple yeah. sector, and Sector Two, Sector Three. Yeah, so they combine them all. I think at Daytona and, right now they've yeah. got six loops yeah. that they can run timing on. Plus, you've got loops in the pit lane and stuff like that. I yeah. think all total is like fourteen. That's a lot um, to maintain that, but it's th that way you're 
I mean, they're not foolproof, uh, but you really get a feel for if you're trying to, to, to look at uh, car's performance and yeah. you're know, dealing with a lot of really smart guys and they'll go out in a practice session and they will run sector one hard, really hard and, and not do anything in sector bit. two or three. Yeah. And then this next session, they'll run sector two mm-hmm. and uh, they're actually programs. We can go back through that yeah. and put together, the put together theoretical, the, uh, yeah. theoretical yeah. best lap on it and go, okay. Yeah. How come you didn't run you put, this? Right. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. When you're doing balance of performance nowadays, that's really, yeah. that would be a huge tool. You still yeah. have to have somebody out there watching though. Right. There's, there's nothing that beats and I won't mention cars or teams, but you could watch them come out of the bus stop at Daytona past mm-hmm. five or six cars, just blow by them and then slow down yeah. before they got back to the trioval. So, so that that what time wasn't yeah. that bad, but you could watch that car go yep. by and know that they're manipulating yeah. what they were doing. But unless you did that, you couldn't tell that just by looking at the yeah. times. When, when you're just staring at a computer screen. Yeah, right. Yeah. The How many years did you, uh, were you up in the tower at, like, the Daytona 24? I, and- I never, <clears throat> I never, most of what I did in uh, in Grand Am was I ran the pit lane. Okay. Um so for the 24-hour, we did all the corner marshals and stuff. I would go up to the tower as a, as a visitor. But okay. uh, at that point, one of the coolest experiences I did when I uh, I went to Scuderia Corsa uh, at Ferrari, and we ran two cars, uh, I think it was 2015, Okay. Uh, at 24-hour. Um, they We had gotten the year before in GTD, Scott Tucker had won. Yeah with the uh, Ferrari and he had two fantastic NASCAR spotters. I think it was Jeff Gordon spotter and Kevin Harwick spotter. Mm-hmm. And they really dug what we did was with the sports cars and 24 hour. Mm-hmm. And we learned, I'd never spotted before. And we learned listening to those guys. And I actually spotted myself, Dave Spitzer and uh, one of our uh, head uh, corner marshals who had been in the Conti program, um, or pit lane, pit lane officials, um, came up and, uh, we did it in, in, uh, different sessions during the uh, race till the car got crashed out. But those guys would talk to the drivers just like they do with a cup car. Okay. You know, and we had the Bosch avoidance, uh, yeah. It's kind of a radar system. There's a screen in it, and it, and it tells you there. where they are and how close they are and which side they're coming to. Because when you're running a when you're running a GT car at Daytona, the traffic is so fast, and doesn't matter how fast you are, yeah. you're always going to be getting passed yeah. all the time. You're going to have prototypes everywhere. All the time. Yeah. Prototypes, the PC cars at the time when there was PC cars, GTLMs. Even though GTD cars can be very fast at the end of the straightaway, you know, you're, you're just being passed all the time. And if you want to win at Daytona, the biggest thing that you have to do not get hit. is not get hit. I think yep. um, Timmy Keene, when he was team manager at uh, Ganassi for so many years and won with Pruitt um, and, and won with everybody um, there in the, in the uh, prototype. And he says, uh, Chip used to say to the guys, the drivers, he says, if you get crashed... It's your fault. And if you crash somebody, 
it's your fault. So basically, <laughs> no matter what. Don't crash. And, and if somebody runs into you, you've placed the car in a position to get where you shouldn't into. have been. You weren't aware of what the traffic, whether it was a battle of yeah. slower cars in front of you and the guy's out of shape, or you know, you recognize that they're not yeah. watching you. Yeah. You know, so you can't just assume, go blasting through. Um, like that Bosch yeah. system, yeah, I think they're only... I mean, Pratt & Miller helped develop it, uh, I was told, at Bosch. And we had a system that was only like four systems. Yeah. So the Just majority of other, and, you know, yeah. and so many of those cars for so many years, nobody had spotters. I mean, for decades, you didn't Just put a spotter up. Drive in the mirrors yeah. and Fuck, you didn't cross even your have, fingers. You didn't have radios, you know, when we first got started here. It's like Lemons team. It was now. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know. I can remember. And I'm going... Way back when, um, we used to signal. You went out from the pits to the trioval. Yeah, you just walk out there and walked out there and held the board. <laughs> it was as stupid a thing as you could have done. Yeah, and you held the board at an angle so they could see it as they're shooting by. And then you would walk back across, get a different time, and walk back out there again. It was insane. Fortunately, they stopped that. But that was oh geez, maybe seventy nine <laughs> or eighty. On the last podcast, didn't we talk about cars spinning through the trioval and yeah, ending up in right. pit lane? <laughs> right. You know, yeah, and this, Gary was holding this was before the bus stop. So they're, you know, they're going cars were going into turn three, NASCAR turn three at over 200 miles an hour. You know? Yeah, as you guys are trying to, like, wave Yeah, hold out. this board up there, yeah. you know? Wait, like like the guys advertising the uh, the cheap tax uh, thing around yes. the middle of April on the side of the road, right, except for cars right. passing with two hundred miles yeah, an hour. Insane. Yeah, the uh, uh, the safety stuff has definitely changed. Um, how how crazy was it when you when you started in the eighties, like uh, at the big races? At uh, uh, was it was there a lot of concern about uh, uh, people getting on the track? I, I started my first Camel GT race. I think was. Uh, at, uh, I believe it was Rotolana in 1977 with a 914.6. Okay. And uh, it's really funny. The guy, um, um, guy didn't have a rig. The car came up on a, a flatbed. Okay. And had a van of equipment that mm -hmm. kind of followed it up. And, um, um, there were guys there. There's a, a famous picture of uh, a, a guy's using the shotgun probe, you know, yeah. filling filling uh, with a, the uh, dual probe system on the front of the car. And he's got a pair of shorts on and a T-shirt and a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, probably smoking a cigarette. <laughs> probably, yeah, you know. dumping fuel everywhere. You know, so it, it's really amazing. I mean, and if you go back to Daytona, it didn't have a speed limit in the pit lane. Just haul to the pit lane hauled and stop. Out. You always wanted to be. I mean, you always wanted to be at pit out. Now everybody wants to be at pit in. Yeah. Because you you have the scenario that you can take. You want to be able to get to the garages as fast as you can, so you can put everybody working on the car. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. But in those in those earlier days, I mean, cars would come into the pit lane 150 miles an hour. Really. You know. Oh my gosh. I, I remember a thing. <clears throat> one of the one of the most enjoyable races was the San Antonio race in about eighty seven, eighty eight. I think it ran for a couple of years. Okay, 
And I remember uh, I was helping. Mike Colucci was running Busby's team with Derek Bell and John Andretti. We had two cars, and we were in the first two pits, and it was qualifying. What kind of cars? And uh, 962s. Okay. So the Miller the Miller yeah. cars. Yeah. Porsche <laughs> prototype. Uh, I think so. it was Wallach. I think it was Wallach and Bell and John Andretti, and I forget who the Brassfield mm-hmm. or somebody. I forget who the other driver was. And we Probably were somebody other somebody else amazing. We, amazing. Oh, yeah. so. we were in the first two pits. <laughs> well, the, the timing loop, as you came down towards the entry of the pits, right. there was a right hander, a, fa- a, a fairly fast, but a chicane because it was a street circuit that you had to break hard to go through the chicane. So it screwed up your time. Well, Brabham and the Electromotive guys with a Nissan. We're smarter than everybody else. So they waited to the last couple of minutes of qualifying and shot into the pits. And I was on the right rear, screwing around with something underneath the right rear. And he went behind me four or five feet off of my feet at that point at over 100 miles an hour into the pits. And, of course, set a time that was five seconds, six seconds faster than everybody else. Because everybody else was slowing down to was make slowing turn. down to make the turn and, he, and changing and he your hauled speed. Us into yeah, the pits absolutely. Instead, yeah. I mean, he could probably have been a pole anyway. The car yeah, was yeah. the car was an absolute beast. It was a when turbo it was, V6 Nissan, right? Yeah, that yeah. was a fantastic car. Fantastic. Yeah. I was able to work on uh, work on. I worked on Busby's car. I think for one event, I helped him at Daytona, and that, that car was was a tank. Yeah. Um, the, the way the body was car. built on the the way the body yeah. was built on it, the way that everything was done on that car, and the whole Nissan, um, the whole Nissan program. Yeah, um, we took the 300 ZXs with uh, Clayton Cunningham uh, to Le Mans. I did all the logistics for them, and right. and um, was that that same generation of engine, the the early 90s? I believe it was single horde cam. It's the same motor. No, I don't think it was a single cam. I they think had it was the single and the, they said the single and double double cam. The same. Yeah, it was then. a double cam, yeah. and we broke a cam in the in the race at right. Le Mans, and they brought the car back in, and I think they fixed changed the cam, and at the same time we did all the brakes in six and a half minutes. <laughs> I'm telling you, so it was bad. the most insane. My our old technical director from Brune, Rudy Walsh, Paulie. Right. Was in the we were racing with them, and I think we wound up finishing fifth, fifth overall uh, with a car, and um, they had a fast Porsche, and he comes over and he looks, and I go, "What happened?" I says, uh, "You know the cam." I tell him in German, "The camshaft broke," and uh, he just gets a smile and goes back on the thing. And like six and a half minutes later, I mean, there's like ants. Mm-hmm. on the picnic table i mean there was like 14 guys and they had built this engine that you could go in there the accessibility and the intelligence of building oh, yeah. that car was so cool they knew how to take they, it apart they, put it back together. they pulled that thing back together stuck another cam in and put a timing you know back on i mean nothing the tensioner didn't come out nothing nothing goofy you know the yeah, you even how breaking they the cam it didn't the, the valves didn't hit the pistons there was enough i mean the the thought that went into that awesome. was fantastic and like six and a half minutes later we went out and and 
I go over and I shot Paulie a bird and I go, hey, you know, there you go, huh? Yeah, a little American yeah, team. Do you know? that with your Porsche. <laughs> yeah, do that with anything. You know, yeah. do that with anything. You six know? and a half minutes. Just it takes me six and a half minutes to jack up my car. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah, it was we unbelievable. Used, we used to consider a fast pit stop here with our Lemons team yeah. to be about five minutes. Yeah. Well, I think we talked <laughs> about. Gas. I think we talked about it before in DTM where we had fifteen minute break between races. Right. Back in the ninety uh, five. We definitely talked about it. I don't know if we talked yeah, about show. And we changed and we changed motors. Yeah. We changed in motors and breaks. I think Yost did one in seven and a half minutes. <laughs> And we did one in like eight minutes and 20 seconds or something. Was everything dry brake fitting? <clears throat> it was so cool. The whole motor, um, it was Tyflex quarter turn self sealing. So the first guy just opened the top, yeah. would just, without even any wrenches, just pop, 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 and pop all the hoses. Somebody did the four bolts in the front, somebody else went underneath it. Yeah. You just picked up the car. On the front with like six guys, there wasn't any jacking it around or anything. Just lift just it up and lift Jackson's it up and threw it up in the air. Two Mormon clamps on the exhaust, and then the other engine. Everything was sealed. Go. The yeah. water was in it. It's totally pressured. All the coolers were in it. Everything was there. So the whole front clip comes off, and you slam in another hub. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a pain in the butt, but you know, it's, well, at least it's only a you sub got six ten or seven guys. Right, it's a pain in the butt for you know but eight you or nine think minutes. Of, I mean, the amount of time that would go into just a regular streetcar engine swap. Uh, is you know six eight hours whatever, but then the amount of engineering to make that thing happen in eight minutes. Yeah, I mean well, hundreds the, and hundreds of the march. Hours. The eighty we we ran the the first uh, march eighty two G. We had chassis zero zero one in eight, nineteen eighty two okay. at Ray Hall, and that thing was five guys seven or eight hours to change. Things. I mean it was every little stupid shim and a bush and this and that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was one of the things that you would spend time doing is is kind of engineering the speed up. Yeah. Of thing, how can you make this faster? Yeah. You know, in yeah. in and how do you work on the thing? In in yeah. racing, yeah. yeah. In, in racing, it's not how fast a car can be in endurance racing. It's it's how fast if something happens, you can fix it. Yep. Yeah. No. And, and trying to avoid the having to fix it. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you were talking about building a car from scratch with you know with different circuits for every light yeah. and yeah redundant bulbs when we and, did the when we did the the toy store car yeah um on our toy store car which was a lot of fun to build that car but you know that was being built to go run daytona and and, and run at sebring you know yeah. run at sebring and sebring into death and sebring. sebring historically with the with the full track in the old days was a harder race than 12 hours was a harder race than daytona yeah because everything's so brutal and lamal was a billiard table compared to this yeah i mean the ride height in some cases would be an inch higher at sebring than it would be at daytona because it had to be it had to be otherwise you it had all the you know when they built the track you know for the bombers you know, it's these giant slabs of concrete, and they all shifted sitting on the sand. Aren't they forty or something, or fifty feet square? Or something? There's some there's some standard measurement yeah, of square. Yeah, standard big blocks. And yeah. I think since then, I didn't I haven't paid much attention to it. They've gone through, and when they made the track smaller, they've ground stuff, yeah, and it's probably slab jacked. It's a, it's a yeah. completely different place. I've heard it's still pretty brutal, though. It is. It is still Sebring. Yeah. But I mean, in the in the Old days, I don't think we talked about this in the last time. I was with uh, Moretti with a 935. And uh, you would go out and run on the runway. Right. And the turn-in 
to go back to the track would just be some cones. Well, somebody hit the cones, and in one case, he sh I think one night practice, I it wasn't in the race, if I remember, this is like 1980. Uh, 81, I think it was, 1981, because I went to Garrison uh, at Rotolana after Sebring. He shoots, somebody knocked a cone down. So he's in, uh, he's leading three or four cars, and they miss the right-hand turn. Yeah, because there's and no And just go shooting down the, shooting down the runway. Oh, no. And, and so he says, I'm looking around, and, and Jean-Pierre was a, a fantastic character, just a terrific character. So he says, I'm slowing down. He says, I'm seeing the grass is five or six feet tall. And he says, you know, we're, we were doing 170 miles an hour down this runway. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to, to be... Uh, <laughs> Sean got iced. To, <clears throat> to be... <laughs> hey, Tom. It doesn't take a whole lot of time yeah. to be out of, uh, you know, out of... Uh, out of space. Yeah, where do you go? You just got to turn around. So he Good actually, job, Sean. he actually <laughs> got out of the car, and he's got three or four other cars with him now. Right. So the same deal. Nobody had friggin' radios. So like, where's the car? We're looking around. Is there flames? Does anybody oh, know? Nobody knows where he is. So he had to get out of the car. He climbed up onto the roof, so he could see of where the to car go? to make sure that he could know what direction to go. And now you're going to turn. So they all turned around. Now you're going to head back towards cars that are coming towards race. you. Yeah. I believe it was the, the night practice. I, oh, okay. I can't remember. Sorry. But still, <laughs> you've got yeah. cars coming at you at 170 miles an hour, and you're hoping that they're going to turn. Yeah. So they waited till they saw somebody turn and then got back on the track and came back in again. And I remember there were dents in the roof where he had stood, and we got back in there, and we're trying to. <laughs> that's awesome. The next day, kind of beat day, doctor, you stood up on the. Oh, that's awesome. You stood up on the roof, but what a what a great character he was. Uh, I I want before we close the show, we're into this thing about forty minutes almost. Uh, I wanted you told me a story in the hotel room before speed ring, uh, second day I think, Thir first day Saturday, um, about uh, uh, being at Lamar. Um, and your car crashed mm -hmm. and it got up on the rail and it got all messed up. Um, yeah, 1985. Yeah. And that was a Porsche 962. Uh, it was a 62. Yeah. Um, and you said something about uh, team owner went to go buy kitty litter. Can you tell that story? <laughs> I love this story. It's so good. Jimmy Steger, I hope I, I had to call you and tell you this story. Uh, Carl James with Fitzpatrick and, okay. uh, we had a uh, we had uh, two cars that year American 100s sponsorship. We had um, Guy Edwards, uh, Joe Gartner, who uh, got killed uh, later uh, in '86. Mm -hmm. Got killed in the Kramer car, um, and I had John Louis Lesher, who at that point John Louis hadn't done F1, but we knew he was a weapon. Mm -hmm. John Louis was really good. And uh, Kenny Atchison and uh, Dudley Wood, and we lost a uh, an alternator uh, the first night of practice, and you had to pull the engine to get the alternator fixed. So it was, we lost the whole the whole night. Yeah. And uh, the uh, the second night we went out full pads, full tanks. You had to have the driver had to do a certain amount of laps. We put him in the uh, car and say go out. And just take it easy. And practice had started, you know, this is now Thursday night, and it's your last night of practice. So it's real important. You've got to yeah. run everybody through it. So 
cars have been going around for about 10 minutes. We put him out there, and on his first lap, he decides in the kink, you know, this is 1985, you know, you're in sun. He decides to go on the outside of the kink on cold tires of a C2 car that was under qualifying uh, lap. And they came together, and they got up on top of the Armco and actually went to the towards the, yeah. the woods. Real big one. Big one, big, big one. one. Knocked the cam out of the motor, ripped up the uh, pirouetted, ripped up the floor, broke his uh, leg, but on the opposite side, actually peeled the motor and the tub up, so it was almost touching the bottom of the dash. Porsche 962. It, yeah, and then it pirouetted, missed the fuel tank completely, which was 100% full, ran over, knocked the exhaust off of one side, knocked the cam out of the bottom of the, the motor, I think on driver's left, uh, turbo off, just, left rear suspension, and, and the C2 sale. car went over the wall as well. Yeah, Both cars, sale. you know, the arm cut one very fast. So we get the car back, and uh, and uh, our team manager, and I'm not going to say his name, is a dear dear fellow, um, but he didn't speak French. Right. So the car is... is I mean, it's it's kaput. Yeah, done. I'm trying not to say the, yeah. the word I would normally yeah. say, but screwed. It, yeah, that's screwed. Yeah, it's screwed royally. Screwed. So we've got the car. It's covered in a tarp, and we're done with that car. Yeah, but it's dribbling fluids out of every orifice. Right. I mean, there's stuff going everywhere. So um, the team manager says, "I'm going to go buy kitty litter." And uh, he goes off to get the store, and we're trying to get all the pieces off it, and and anything that was good that we could have for the second car yeah. as a spare, you know, if there was anything left, and start preparing to do this. So he comes back, and he's got big bags of uh, stuff, and Jimmy Stegger was our truck driver, and uh, Jimmy's with Audi now. And uh, he goes, uh, uh, Mr. Pruitt... He says, uh, I think you've got the wrong end of the cat. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? I just said his name, actually. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? And he goes, uh, that's rabbit food. <laughs> so, so he says, well, I don't care. Spread it out. <laughs> so we're, we're just spreading rabbit food. And all this oil, gear oil, you know, everything everything was dribbling out. Under a priceless, nowadays, priceless we're, Porsche at Le we're, we're spreading <laughs> rabbit food and trying to use rabbit food to absorb. You know, and it's hay or alfalfa, whatever it was. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, you can put anything down. And, uh, <laughs> you got the wrong Jimmy, end of the cat. You got the wrong end of the cat. Jimmy goes up, and he always wore this knitted uh, woolly hat. And he cuts out a pair of rabbit ears. And sticks them into his woolly hat and then cuts out like a Bugs Bunny teeth. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting up in the truck with this on it. And Dave saw him at that point and just goes like, right. He says, lose that right now. Or he says, you're on the bus back to Brighton. <laughs> kind of thing. But, oh, man. You bought yeah. the, the wrong end of the cat. You got the wrong end of the cat. But uh, And then the, we went on and finished fourth overall with the second car. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and did you use any of the spares off the, uh, the no, yard sale? No, fortunately, <laughs> no. There wasn't much left. I think there was a you know yeah. a mirror or something. <laughs> Just a mirror. Yeah. So uh, real quick, uh, what would happen to a car like that back then? <clears throat> that car, that year, it, this was the second car we had. 
we had a guy, he was a, uh, let's see, uh, we got told a different story every time. He was, I won't use his name so he doesn't come after me. He was a Peruvian businessman, or he was a cattle farmer, or he was something else. We had him at Silverstone. Right. And uh, driving this is 85. Yeah, drove at Silverstone. And in the race, uh, he had done rallycross, you know, before. It was his real experience. Mm -hmm. So it was a case of had a lot of money that he wanted to spend. And uh, we put him in the uh, 962 at Silverstone. This is the old Silverstone, which was very fast. Right. Very fast. If you remember, I think Rosberg set a qualifying lap uh, there of like 161 average speed or something. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> And uh, yeah, not, in the race, slow. he actually at Silverstone, uh, as he left the pits, I think he hit three or four gears mm -hmm. on full boost and shot across right in front of the Lancia um, and just shot across the track, never even tried to turn right and buried that car underneath the guardrail. So Carl Jennings and I, who wound up running Rossberg for mm -hmm. 17 years as technical director, um we built a car between Silverstone and Lamont, and then we crashed that car. Okay, this was your second. Yeah, you so you would the crash car. You would get a this. Yeah, we we built a car in just a, a few mm -hmm. weeks. Just basically the two of us. Um, you would get a tub from the factory. Later on, when you had guys like Dave Clem, you know, if I had a problem with a car in Japan or in in Europe, Dave started building chassis for was the that factory. Fab car, uh, fab car yeah. yes, and. Um, we would take, especially American teams, like the front bulkhead was fairly weak. Yeah. Uh, you'd put yeah, a machine bulkhead in it. You might put it. a thicker floor on it. Yeah. Uh, we made some pieces. Um, it's one of the ways that we wound up improving the car. You yeah. Know? This um, stuff wasn't all just spec, homologated, got to do this, got to do that. No, 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 you no. Could fix, no. You, you could fix do it. And that's why we wound up running. I mean, Chapman, I think Chapman for Busby built the first... Uh, honeycomb cars okay aluminum honeycomb cars and then they went to a honeycomb carbon car we had thompson in the uk uh built some but that was there were issues with those cars as well okay. initially but very cool so these cars didn't get just thrown away you just buy a new tub or buy, yeah, a, bunch buy a new of tub and... i mean it's you know in some cases you could say we wanted the you know, you, the, if you could, left half. if you could recover about anything, you might be able to put it back into the same yeah. kind of chassis. But in most cases, there were cars. Mm -hmm. I mean, any, unless it's melted down into slag, yeah, They're you know, you it. can rebuild, yeah, anything. Especially if you're looking at it from the historic value. I mean, if everybody mm -hmm. knew how much these cars were going to be, yeah, what they're going for one. now, yeah. you wouldn't have thrown anything out. Yeah. You, you, know, you, would, you, would have, you probably would have dusted the rabbit food off. Oh, uh, anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything. <laughs> All right. Well, next time we'll have to talk about more Lamar experiences yeah. and stuff like that. But I think we did a, yep, almost 50 minutes of the podcast. So, All right, man. We, uh, we'll run a track event tomorrow. All right, and, cool. Uh, and then we'll talk some more. Look so, forward to it. All right. Go, See you, guys. Yeah, time to go to bed. <laughs>